Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Today we are going to be looking at some quarterbacks. You are listening to the Huddle Up Draft Podcast. Welcome to the Huddle Up Podcast, your go-to show for all things Broncos. Welcome for the first time this season to the Huddle Up Draft Podcast. I am Nicholas Kendall, joined as always by Carl Dummler and special guest, everyone's favorite, Eric Trickle. Today we are going to be breaking down some of the you know quarterback news that's going on with the Broncos organization. But this is the going to be the first of many draft podcasts that are going to be gracing everyone's ears. Everyone should know by now if you've been listening to the Scout Side Preview. Carl and I are draft fanatics, and if you're going to milehighhuddle.com, you know that uh, Eric, Carl, myself are all big, huge draft nicks, and Broncos are playing pretty poorly right now, three and six with a loss against the New England Patriots, losing five in a row, and we figured that it was, honestly, it's time to start talking prospects. I mean, it's, start, it's time to start looking ahead, and what better way to look ahead than to the quarterback class, which was much hyped coming into the season, but I would say for the most part has failed to live up to the astronomical expectations of the best quarterback class in the last decade. But before we get to that, how are you guys doing? I'm doing great. I've been cleaning for two days on our house, which has been a lot of fun. I've been coughing up dirt, but just really excited to start talking some draft. Well, all three of us have been talking draft for months, but pretty much since, what is it, like May 1st of last year, we've been talking about this draft. So I mean, we're that, already talking 2019 today. That's true. That is very true. So uh, it's been even longer than that. So to finally share with you listeners what kind of conversations we have, how many times we tell each other, how in the world do you see that? Uh, it, yeah, it, it'll be fun. I'm, I'm excited to, to talk to you guys about some of these prospects for sure. And how are you doing, Eric? I'm doing pretty good. I'm excited as always to be on the podcast. Looking forward to actually discussing all these quarterbacks haven't really been on Twitter much talking about them. It's all been dealing with the crap we're seeing from the Denver Broncos, and I'm just kind of ready to get on to something a little bit, I guess, in a way more positive. So I'm really looking forward to it. Some good quarterbacks on the menu today. Absolutely. Well, this show is all things that pertain to your Denver Broncos, but with an NFL draft and roster-building twist. Normally, we like to bring you game previews, but the Broncos playing poorly. It's time to talk scouting, X's and O's, fits, and just the NFL draft, but all of it with a Denver Bronco vantage point. I mean, if you pay attention, uh, coming up here, we're going to be coming up with our Finding Broncos series, breaking down a lot of the prospects, but we also like to do that on the podcast, you know, just a little bit more of a, a free form, and, you know, we like to we like to hear our own voices. Granted, I have to hear it when I'm editing the podcast, which isn't as fun, because I think personally I have an annoying voice. You guys haven't said that on Twitter to me or anything, but 
bless all your hearts. <laughs> you can find Carl on Twitter at Carl Dumbler, MHH, Eric Trickle at Eric Trickle, right? There's no MHH on that one, right? There's no MHH on that. Man, get on that. Join the crew. And you can follow me <laughs> at Nick Kendall MHH. Be sure to tweet us any draft questions, Bronco questions, opinions that you have, because we love talking football and engaging with you guys. You can also follow the podcast Twitter account at HuddleUpPod and our co-writers content at milehighhuddle.com, a part of scout.com and affiliate of the CBS Sports Digital Network. We know you Bronco fans are just absolutely crazy and really just frustrated with the team playing so poorly this year. So we're going to just, we're going to jump into that today. You know, it's going to be from here until after the draft, the Huddle Up Draft Podcast is going to be trying to come to you every single week. Now, before we get any farther, we want to tell you about our sponsor today, Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial by going to www.audibletrial.com backslash huddle up. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Again, that's www.audibletrial.com backslash huddle up. Carl, I know you are a voracious reader and you've been cleaning the house. What, are you, what have you been using them for lately? I, I've been getting a little away from, from the football. As, as many of you know, I'm, I'm a pastor. So I've been listening to some, some pastor books. And uh, I've been listening to one called Case for Christ. And it has been, uh, it's been, been a very good book. I, I read it when I was in college. And it, it's amazing how much you forget. You think, oh my goodness, I'm never going to forget this book because it impacted me that much. And then here I am, what, 10 years later and, oh man, I forgot so much. So I'm, I'm glad to have a chance to listen to it. And no better way to pass the time when you're cleaning because nobody loves to clean. At least I don't. <laughs> and so, yeah, at least I feel accomplished beyond just the cleaning that, hey, I got a book read and... And it's, like I said, it's been a really good book. I'm, I'm not really a big music guy. I don't know if you guys are, but I'm just not a, I've listened to all my music on my phone 50, 60 times, every single song. So I'm kind of bored of it. I don't really want to pay for new music, but Audible, I get a, a I'm on their subscription. So I get a, a book once a month and it's amazing to, to, to go in and have that ability. And so I recommend it to anybody. I really do. It's something I use and I wouldn't be, talking about like this if, if I wasn't using it that way. And Eric, I know you're a big fan as well because you can't read. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't know if I'll edit that out. I might leave that just for, just for fun. But anyway, before we get to the draft stuff, we got to talk the big Bronco news, which everybody's talking about. I'm very polarized, but it's the Broncos' former first-round pick, 2016. Two and a half games started. Potential bust already, some people say. Paxton Lynch. Now, I know Carl and Eric, you guys have been big supporters of Paxton Lynch. I've always been, eh, he, I've, as a big draft fan, my heart was set on Chris Jones. I will not lie. I was all about Chris Jones. I want to take Dak Prescott later. And I feel like Paxton Lynch stole my boy Chris Jones for me. So I've always had a little bit of a grudge, but I'm really pulling for him. Uh, what are you looking for when he, he does come? Do you have any news for us, Eric? Not really. If you guys have been following me on Twitter for a while, you should have known that this is about the time that he was going to be coming back. I've been saying for a couple weeks now that he's still just been a few weeks out. And it wasn't an issue of him not being healthy. It was an issue of how many practices he's had and what point he was in getting his throwing shoulder, throwing arm back to where it needed to be. Unless Osweiler gets hurt, Lynch isn't going to see the field. unless, Or if Osweiler really stinks up the joint. You won't see Lynch unless Osweiler gets hurt or really stinks up the joint. That's Their plan isn't to get him on the field now. But but after this game, week 12, everything I've heard is that that is when Lynch will start. And it's pretty contingent that it is going to happen no matter what. Elway's been pushing for it. Elway hasn't 
from his horse hasn't been really happy with how he's been brought back from his injury and has wanted him to see the field sooner than now. He really wanted him to see the last half of the season after the three-game losing streak. Elway's hope was that Lynch was ready. He didn't want to go to Osweiler, and he wanted Simeon on the bench. So all that, it's just pointing to the direction of what I've been told. And next week, get ready for Lynch, most likely. First start of the year at Oakland. I mean, with how terrible Oakland has been this season on defense, especially in that back seven, I think that's a pretty juicy matchup for Lynch. As long as Barber doesn't, or whoever starts right tackle, I guess we could see Wilkinson or maybe Donald Stevenson comes back. I'm not sure there, but that's about as good of a matchup as you could hope for for your first start of the year, especially coming off that shoulder injury. What about you, Carl? You are the biggest Paxton Lynch fan I have ever met. I think I, I honestly think you're probably related, or he has some naked pictures of you. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not judging you. No judgment. But I, uh, I know you. I know you're excited. Yeah, I, I am. I, and John Elway still might be a bigger fan than me. I, I don't know. He was the guy that was that was pretty pumped about getting Paxton Lynch for sure. And so I, we might have to battle it out one time. If I ever see Elway, we're going to battle out who likes Paxton more. But no, I, I've loved this kid. I, I thought he could be the real deal. I've kind of soured on that a little bit. Just he's kind of been put into a, a difficult situation, and and he didn't help himself on some of it. I know his rookie year, he struggled to really put in the time and the effort needed to to be the player that he needed to be. And I, I heard this offseason he was much better, but still trying to learn what it takes just to be an NFL quarterback. It's not the same as as what it used to be. And at, you know, college, it's just go out there and be the most athletic guy on the field and you're going to go out there and win if you have the most, you know, the greatest athlete. I mean, that's Chip Kelly. He made a great college career as a coach by just having the greatest athletes on the field and Alabama kind of the same thing. So, but no, it's still Paxton Lynch. I still have some hope. I, I still think this is a guy that he was such a project coming in and, and we're going to talk about some project quarterbacks as we go through this entire series. And there's a lot of people that are saying, hey, this guy is a two-year project. Year three is where you're going to start seeing him really start to show up. And just the NFL, the NFL is so impatient when it comes to prospects. And especially, you know, everybody says, oh, first round pick, you got to get him on the field. And I, I do agree with the fact that they probably should have got Paxton Lynch on the field. I, I know he didn't win the quarterback competition, but... I really don't think training camp is the best environment to really show what he can do. His greatest assets are, are really more of his ability to, to make plays when there is no play. And there, there's some quarterbacks can do that. Some quarterbacks can't, but again, that doesn't really show up in training camp where it's really time throwing and getting everything to, to go with the flow of the play. And so anyway, he lost that battle. That's again, that's on him, but I'm still not quite ready to give up on him. I'm excited that he's going to get hopefully this six game audition for the Broncos. And, and it does, it sets up really well for him. He has some pretty easy matchups. Like you said, at Raiders dolphins are okay on defense, but not great. Jets are average at best. Colts are probably a worse team than the Broncos. (laughs) Maybe getting close to there. Redskins. Maybe the toughest defense that he has left. And then Chiefs. Chiefs have a great offense, but they don't have a great defense, I I wouldn't say. So he's got a real shot to go out there and prove that he can still be the guy. 
that the quarterback issue is actually solved. Again, I don't have the highest hopes for that, even though I'm the biggest Pax Lynch fan that there is. And I am, like I said, I'm ecstatic to go see this guy play. I I just want to see him on the field, just see maybe if this time off, getting in the film room, maybe if that's uh, that's really helped him to to get ready. And and there's nothing more humbling than one being beaten out by a seventh rounder two times in a row, and two then just having to kind of sit on the bench and do nothing because your arm's injured. So I think he's had a little bit of humility brought to him. I think sometimes these guys that, especially our first round picks, they come out thinking that they're they they're, they're something big, and until they prove it on the field, they're nothing. So again, I I'm just just happy he's getting an opportunity before we just go ahead and and move on to the next guy. I, I know a lot of people have already got into that mindset, and we're going to talk about quarterbacks today. So it's kind of almost a little bit in that mindset, but there's just that glimmer of hope that maybe quarterback's not going to be the issue and we can go somewhere else in that first round. You, you, I find it funny that you mentioned the uh, defenses um, that Lynch will be facing. None of them. Well, actually, no, two of them are in the top half of the NFL in total passing defense. That's the dolphins and the jets and they're 15th and 16th. Then you have the Redskins at 18. You have the Raiders at 22 you have the Chiefs at 28 and the Colts at 31. So as you were saying, this is a great time for him to step up and really show what he can bring. But one big key, one big key is these teams have some pretty good pass rushers on their team. That Absolutely. offensive line has to has to help them out. Absolutely, Eric. That was the point I was going to make. I'd almost rather him go against some better secondaries and let it rip a few times. If he makes a few mistakes, he makes a few mistakes. But with the Broncos' offensive line in terms of passing – in the lower half of the league, especially with Barber at right tackle, we saw the monstrosity that it was against the Chargers. He did better against the Patriots last week, but Patriots defense they don't have line doesn't really. Yeah, they don't. They don't really have anybody that stands out. Their best pass rusher was probably going to be a rookie this year, and he tore his ACL pretty early on. First fan, I was excited to see him go there. Speaking of draft podcast stuff, but yeah, I'm I'm excited to see him. For me, the biggest disappointment, I guess, was this year. There was all this hype that you know he'd taken the next step, playing better yada yada everything like that but then i feel like his preseason tape two years ago was he was playing better than what i saw this year i do think that he was playing a little bit more tight higher expectations everything like that and just you know i think he, he, you could really see him lose confidence almost in himself as the preseason went on in those games i'm not there the practice i can't speak for that but also when you do see him play you just see those natural tools that if they're out there playing ball and you let those things grow you know the athleticism the mobility the arm strength just the sheer size that he has i mean and honestly a pretty decent release he doesn't have a wacky release we're going to be talking about some of the quarterbacks in this class coming up here you know talking about the throwing release and the lower body stuff lynch's footwork you know can be sloppy especially out of uh, shotgun it can be not consistent he takes sometimes a little bit too big of strides and he lifts up those legs too much but i think that these the seven games is perfect this is what you need and i would have loved to have seen him out there sooner but i don't think he was an easy sell to the locker room just because it was obvious, I think, I mean, even looking at the preseason tape, that's what you have to go off, at least somebody who's not at the practices every day. Simeon looked like he was more capable of running the offense last season and in the preseason games this year. After the Dallas game, I honestly, I was a little bit hopeful that he could be potentially something, maybe not a franchise arm, but a guy that could be a spot starter in the league. And he just absolutely regressed after that. This, all, this, all the signs were there in the tape, but as I'm still a fan, I was still hoping for the best. But now this team, I mean, three and six, looking like they're going to be picking in the top 10 in the draft. It's a perfect situation to let Lynch go out there, 
see what he has. And if he stinks up the joint, you're in a situation where you know that you can go get a quarterback in free agency or early in the draft this year. That was enough. Maybe you can bring back Osweiler. Maybe you can bring in a short uh, competition kind of arm, more veteran uh, in that regard to back up Lynch, but also compete with him. Or maybe use like a second or third round pick on a guy to you know push the envelope as well. But still, this is this is what Lynch needed. I think if he would have been drafted by a team that was in the upper half of the draft, team that didn't really have Super Bowl expectations, you would have seen him earlier. But it was a hard sell to this locker room, a championship locker room. But now that this team is obviously not competing for a Super Bowl, it's time to see what he has. And I'm, I'm hopeful because the physical tools, the arm strength, the arm talent, the ability to push the ball down the field, outside the hash marks, are all there. And I'm, I'm excited to see it. You mentioned his preseason, and I went back and I watched the games from this year and last year, and I noticed something that I found really funny. Mike McCoy, his system is really out of shotgun, but Paxton Lynch was under center for most of his snaps. Last year, under Gary Kubiak, who his offense is under center, Lynch was in shotgun more. Meanwhile, Trevor Simeon and Kubiak's offense was under center, and then in McCoy's offense was in shotgun a lot more. And I just found it kind of funny that they flipped them and put Lynch in an area where he's not ready to not really going to succeed this year with him being under center. His footwork isn't there yet. He has coming in with little experience under center and that's where Mike McCoy had him. So it really questioned a lot of stuff that I was told over the off season that they were doing whatever they can to get him ready. If you do that, why are you having him do something that he's not comfortable with? And I'm curious if they're going to stick with that when he does eventually start or if they'll, do what they should do and put some concepts in their offense that will help him do better. And not only that, but keep him in shotgun where he's not having tripping over his own feet, basically, because that's what it looked like a lot of the time. I I heard that they did at least, I think it was Wednesday's practice. They were running read option plays because he got the, the first string snaps with Osweiler being hurt. So it gives me a little bit of hope that they actually are going to cater the offense towards his strengths and give him an actual real shot to to succeed. Because I'm with you, he's a raw player. Like I said, he, he for a lot of people, he was a two-year project. So why do you stick a two-year project doing things that he's just not comfortable with? It, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And I'm with you that sticking him under center for preseason, if you were hoping to see him actually go win that competition, you don't do that. I don't, I just, it, it made zero sense to me. But to me, this is a win-win situation for the Broncos with Paxton Lynch coming in because you're going to absolutely know, is he the guy moving into next year or is he not? And if he is, then you've, you've solved your quarterback problem. You can probably actually go win a few games, maybe even eight and eight gets you into the playoffs. I'm, I'm pretty much out of the hopes that we're going to make the playoffs, but, but Hey, the AFC is, it's not great right now. And then if he does fail, well then you're probably in really good draft position to go get one of these guys. And I did have a question for you for all, for both of you. And this is kind of just transitioning a little bit, not just from Paxson, but what do you think the Broncos will do this offseason? Are, are you leaning more towards that they will go the free agents market? Because, I mean, we're hearing guys like Drew Brees possibly going to hit the, the open market. Obviously, Kirk Cousins, he's going to be there. Maybe Eli Manning, Phillip Rivers. And the, you see Elway maybe going that way more than first round pick in the draft. Or, hey, let's let's hit the reset button. Let's go get our quarterback in the draft build around him and see what we can do. I think he goes after a quarterback in free agency. Yeah, I think he'll probably go after a quarterback in free agency as well. But I think I still think Elway's on to Paxton Lynch. And I honestly can't really give a of the best 
educated guess because I haven't seen what Paxton's going to do these last few games, obviously. I think Elway's, you know, he's Paxton Lynch is like that guy, what is that movie, Brokeback Mountain? He's like, I can't quit on you, right? Like, he just, he loves Paxton. And I think Paxton is, even if he somewhat struggles uh, down the stretch here, I think he's going to be given a chance again next year. Granted, I've heard some, I've heard conflicting rumors. Hermes still loves him. I've heard that, you know, they're kind of growing a little bit tired of him. Either way, I think that they're not going to fully discard Paxton, like the route of trading up to get a Rosen or a Darnold or something like that. But I could see them going a kind of a stopgap free agent type or a second or third round pick to kind of push Paxton. Eli Manning is the name to watch. You're talking about how getting us a veteran who can sit there and well sit there and start while Lynch is in the back. Eli Manning's the perfect name for that. A Drew Brees is the perfect name for that. Kirk Cousins, he's still young. Tyrod Taylor, he's still young. Philip Rivers, he's still got five, six years left, probably. That's why I think he's gonna go to the free agent market. But I also think he's gonna draft a quarterback. I think he's gonna get one in maybe round round two most likely round three or four, somebody who can come in and compete and potentially even push Pax and Lynch farther. So it's definitely something to keep an eye on. But if they go after a quarterback in free agency, even if it isn't Eli Manning, even if Drew Brees somehow gets out of New England's gra- or New Orleans grasp, they got to free up some money, which is going to cause other holes in their thing, other holes on the roster, which is where you – kind of want to go away from drafting a quarterback as well because then you can use those picks to try and fill those holes with younger players so it's definitely a little conundrum there but i think always going to go in free agency and draft yeah to me i don't think this roster is one offseason away from being a super bowl contender again so you got to look at it in my opinion as a two or three year project so yeah. it's gonna we're gonna have you think so i think i think it's gonna be a little bit of a rebuild I'm, i th- i think if they get the right quarterback they can be. I don't think they're a real Super Bowl contender. I think they are a playoff contender who maybe could make a run. Like, people are overblowing the issues on defense. The last two weeks, they have been awful. There is no denying that. But you, they still have so much talent. They still have a lot of young guys. Yes, Aqib Talib is probably gone. Brandon Marshall and Darian Stewart, they're probably back, and they're probably going to be trying to um, count on them for uh, – bouncing back. Damata Pecco is doing excellent. The defensive line is improving. They just got to get that interior rusher and get somebody who can cover tight ends. And that defense is back to being as good as it, not as good as it was, but it's still back to being one of the best in the NFL. It still is a top 10 unit in the NFL now. Yeah. From what I've seen the last few weeks, it looks like guys are, I don't want to say giving up, but they don't, they look like they are blowing assignments more and not, not having that same intensity because like Carl and I ranted, in the preview episode for the, was it the Bengals one? I think it was the Bengals one. Just do your job. You see guys trying to go out there, do a little bit too extra and lose their discipline, you know, freelancing, trying to make a play. And that can cause just a cascade of effects. And then the game can get away from you. And that happens when your offense is struggling. That happens when your special teams coughing up the football. So they're definitely better than a, what is it? 96 points in the last two weeks. I'm yeah. not that worried about the defense. You mentioned freelancing. And there's one play from the Eagles game that shows us up perfectly. A lot of people are hounding on Darian Stewart because his play has been down this year. But he is covering up for so many mistakes from other people. And this is one of them. I, I remember tweeting out about it. It's the touchdown pass to Alshon Jeffrey. Tlaib was sitting there staring in the backfield watching Carson Wentz. Jeffrey took off behind him and Tlaib was playing catch-up. Well, Stewart's job was to keep it, was, to, was to keep an eye on Wentz and watch for him to run. Tlaib was supposed to stick with Jeffrey. 
I had a lot of people after that play message me and on and tweet at me on Twitter that Darian Stewart screwed up more than Talib did. That's not true. Talib did something that he wasn't supposed to be doing. He was just supposed to cover Jeffrey and stick with him. He decides to get lazy, peek in the backfield, trying to sit there and come up and make the tackle if uh, Wentz does take off. But that wasn't his responsibility. That wasn't his job. Uh, as you said, these guys, they got to do their job. And bunch of them i'm not seeing them do it and the issue is is that they are still a good number of them who are doing their job but all it takes is one person to laze off and not do their job and the offense can move the ball the offense can score just takes one player yep absolutely well before we get to the quarterbacks i gotta ask you guys one last question when do you expect paxton lynch to make his debut if he does and what are you looking for in that first start i i guess i'll start on this one since he is my boy. I, I expect the next game after this one, that, that Raiders game, Bengals really, uh, Osweiler, he's deserved another start. That New England game got out of hand in a, in a hurry, and I thought he did decent. It wasn't a great game, but it was, it was a decent game. One of the, it's been one of the best ones we've had in a long time from the quarterback. So <laughs> by, by that comparison, that was a really good game from a Bronco quarterback. Again, that doesn't mean it was actually a good game, but that's just getting into some semantics. Anyway, so Raiders game, that's when I expect him to, to get his opportunity. And expectations are, are what I want to see. I guess it's a little bit of just getting through his reads. I want to see him make quick decisions and, and not always the make the first read, then take off running. And, and I know a little bit in preseason, I think he he got a little bit harped on by, by fans and, and others in the media, especially. And I think a big part of it was that it just, the offensive line was just downright terrible in the preseason. And this was for all quarterbacks. This wasn't just for Paxton. And I think there was just that internal clock that said, instead of getting that three seconds, he's going two seconds and I got to take off and just kind of trying to use one of his greatest assets of his, his running ability to go try to make a play. So I want to see him make those quick decisions but also not make too quick of a decision to go and take off running because he does have a tendency to just really rely on that athleticism more than he really should. There's times where I just really wish he would work to keep his eyes down the field. Nick, you've, you and I have talked about this, Eric, we've talked about this too, of, of just use your athleticism to, to buy extra time. Your, your best weapon as a quarterback is always going to be your, your arm more than your running. And, and so I just, I want to see that. I want to see him buy some time, be like a Ben Roethlisberger, where you use your strength to, to hold up in the pocket and and hit for a big play. I said it earlier to, to start the podcast that he's getting ready to go week 12. And I mentioned also that caliber of defenses he, he'll face, and none of them are higher than 15. The Bengals are ranked fifth. So this is a good time for them with Osweiler dealing with that injury. If he struggles at all, it's really easy for them to make the switch to Lynch and sell it. That's the other thing that you have to look at too, is that they got to be able to sell it, not just to the locker, to the locker room, but to the fans too. They have to be able to sell making a switch. They weren't able, they didn't feel they could sell Osweiler after the first two losses of that three game losing streak under Simeon. But that third loss where it was very clear on him, the offensive line held up pretty well. The run game was going and they still failed. It was easy to sell. Against the Eagles, you could have made the switch then, but they weren't going back to Simeon, and Lynch wasn't quite ready yet due to where he was at when he was coming back with throwing. 
And now you have the uh, Patriots game. Osweiler played well. He led three, he's led six scoring drives in the first half. People, I mean, they've all been field goals, so there's a question of failing to punch it in. And in my film piece that's up on Mile Eye Huddle, I look at those plays that ended those drives for those field goals, and a lot of them were on him. So even if he is leading scoring drives and unable to punch it in against this passing defense that the Bengals have, it's still an easy sell because it's a consistent failure of him. When Lynch does start, and he will be starting, I want to see him, as Carl said, go through his reads. I want to see him do it quickly. I want to see him to be able to process a little bit faster. When he ta- has to, when he feels the pressure and has to take off, I want to, I want to see him do what like Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson or even Deshaun Watson was doing down in Houston before he got hurt. Keep your eyes up, look for the throw. Don't be a pressures here, take off kind of quarterback. Keep looking for that throw. Because while you be able to maybe able to pick up five to ten yards with your legs, very rarely are you going to be able to break off a big one, and it doesn't throw, put much trust in your playmakers. So keep looking for that. Sanders and Thomas, they know how to do the scramble drill pretty well. Sanders, he had experience with it with Big Ben. Thomas, we all know Tebow. I want to see him really take command as well. I want to see him go out there and you can just get that. When watching a game, watching some of these quarterbacks, you're not on the field, you're not in the huddle, so you can't really feel their leadership, but you just get that feeling in you watching them. You get that sense of it. And I want to get that from him because it's been missing. I felt it when scouting him. But since he's came to the NFL, where is it? So I just want to see all this combination of stuff. And I want to see him see that arm. I really hope they let him unleash his arm a lot. And he is, and he takes advantage of it and does it accurately. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm. you guys sound excited to see him. I mean, he. I still think he might not be the guy. Obviously, he hasn't shown it so far. You guys, are, you guys have always been higher on him than I have. But I agree with your points. It always frustrates me when he pulls down his eyes. He just immediately felt pressure. And would take off to run. Granted, the pressure was in his face pretty quickly, especially when he's playing with that offensive line. They didn't have much chemistry yet. A lot of new faces on there, a new blocking scheme, and then you know playing behind the second, third team offensive line as well. That doesn't help. But yeah, look to be a thrower because I mean he got hurt. He granted he did got hurt. I believe it was in the pocket, but still, as a quarterback, those hits can add up. And he hurt this AC joint already. I shared this article with you guys earlier this week that during the scouting process. A bunch of teams got spooked by some of Paxton Lynch's medicals, and that included included his AC joint. He hurt his AC joint his redshirt sophomore year at Memphis. He had a uh, small fracture in his clavicle and popped up on the X-ray, but it was healed. But it's it's definitely something to to watch going forward. But we've talked for Lynch long enough for a draft podcast. It's probably time to move on to the the quarterbacks we're going to discuss today. And the first one we we're going to discuss, not my favorite quarterback, not Eric's favorite quarterback, probably not Carl's favorite quarterback, but has a very strong chance to be the very first quarterback selected in this draft and uh, could be the first overall pick as well. Could be a future Brown. God bless his soul, I guess, or save him. Uh, but I'm talking about, I'm talking about Mr. Gosh, how do I even put it? I don't go to, I don't play football for school. Don't want to make him sound dumb. He's a really smart kid, but he had that interview earlier in the year, Josh Rosen, or his full name, Joshua Ballinger Lippincott Rosen, literally one of the best names I've ever heard. Eric and I were both laughing about it. Former five-star recruit. I believe he was the number one overall quarterback recruit according to scout.com, economics major, very high GPA, and was a nationally ranked tennis player growing up. You got to love that footwork in the pocket with those tennis players. And his parents were uh, very high, highly regarded athletes as well. Uh, both of them were gold medal figure skaters. Yeah, Rosen's always been a very talented, highly touted 
quarterback. He has had some injuries in his career last year, especially he missed a fair amount of games after getting injured. So that's something to watch. He missed a game just a couple weeks ago. He was uh, concussed in that Washington game, caused him to miss that uh, Utah game, which our senior editor, Chad Jensen, was kind of bummed about. He was glad that Utah won the big game, but was kind of interested to see what Josh Rosen would bring. But yeah, I, I like a lot of what I see from Rosen. He, when you watch him play quarterback, he's like, yep, that, that kid plays quarterback. That's what a quarterback's supposed to look like. Tall, slings the ball around the lot. I mean, he doesn't have the strongest arm to push the ball downfield, but I mean, that, that release is textbook. He looks like one of those kids that went to every single quarterback camp growing up from age six on upwards because his footwork, his arm release, you know, I mean, his, his intelligence even, it seems like, is textbook. Now, there obviously are some issues off the field, mecha- not mechanically, but attributes-wise that we'll get into here. But overall, I would, I would be 0% surprised if everything came back decently clean off the field at the top quarterback on many teams' boards. I, I agree with you. He, he is one of the cleanest prospects at the quarterback position that I've seen in a long time. Andrew Luck was, was up there with his ability just to, to look like an NFL quarterback while he was in college. And that, that's going to – a lot of teams are going to have him really high just because of that because he's going to know NFL concepts. They're at UCLA learning their playbook under a coach that has coached in the NFL before so knows what it takes to, to actually learn an NFL playbook. Smart kid. He's going to do well on the, on the whiteboard, of course. And he just he, – he's the most pro-ready quarterback. And that, that's important to teams, especially new coaches where you have those expectations of, hey, you got to turn around this program in a hurry. And, and you don't want to sit there and try to have to develop a quarterback. I can see that with the Browns, with, with Hugh, with their coach, Hugh, not Hugh Jackson. Jackson. Yeah, Hugh Jackson, yeah. I, I'm guessing he's going to have a little bit of pressure. I don't even know if he's going to make it through this year. They he'll might want to – he'll make it through this year. You think he'll make it to next year? No. Okay, well, that's, that's more what – sorry, that's what I meant was, will he be the coach next year for the Browns? And I, I thought so. it – I thought if he was going to be the coach, they're going to have some higher expectations, obviously, other than, hey, lose every single game. And so getting the most pro-ready quarterback to come into your program, step in and, and be able to perform right off the bat, that makes a lot of sense for the Browns. Their fans need something. <laughs> I'm sorry, Browns fans. I, I, I feel for you. I, at the, the Broncos game, my cab driver was a, from Cleveland. And he asked me about the Broncos, how they were doing this year. And I said, not great. It's been been a pretty down year. He goes, well, I'm a Browns fan, so every year is that way. And I was like, oh, man, I don't know how, how Brown, Browns fans stick around. But anyway, back to the actual quarterback. Yes, he is very, very clean, has very good mechanics. Like I said, head of a, a quarterback in the sense of just knowledge of the game. I like his game. I, I really do. I, I probably have him a little bit higher ranked than, than you guys. I don't have him as my first quarterback. But I also really wouldn't mind him being on the Broncos either. I think he's a top 10 pick. Like, unless he totally bombs the off the field stuff, there are rumors that he is a big uh, jerkwad. That's as PG as I'll get in here for that. I guess I did talk about Carl having, or Paxton having naked pictures of Carl. But other than that, (laughs) other than that, we'll keep it pretty PG. But I've heard that he's a pretty big jerk as well. Could be, you know, the typical, I'm a very high intelligent, regarded quarterback prospect. Everyone bow before me. I'm sure Eric will have a little bit more insight in that regard because he talks to some people that are connected in that regard. But that's that's some of the stuff I've heard. But I mean, I do really love the intelligence. There are rumors out there that he learned UCLA's playbook his freshman year when he came in, walked in, gave him the full playbook. Three days later, he knew the entire thing. So he's he's going to come in and he's he's going to wow people on the whiteboard. And I think you're going to have to have an offensive coordinator in there that's 
going to be able to challenge him and because he's going to come in there on those whiteboard meetings in the uh, quarterback meetings and he's going to have questions and be asked be pushing the offensive coordinator so it's you're going to have to have a pretty intelligent staff x's and o's wise that's going to push him to keep him engaged I think coming in but like you said clean quarterback not the best arm not the best athlete and he does have some flaws and I'm going to kick it over to Eric because I know it's one of his biggest issues with him but what do you think about Rosen here if you can get over his arrogance it's as you said he's that intelligent prolific athlete that plays a premier position at in the uh, sport that's at the top in the america in los angeles yeah in los angeles so that arrogance is there i'd like to see anybody do that and not have some sort of arrogance to them his teammates don't really care for him coaches don't really care for him he just has that i'm better than you attitude and some scouts i've talked to actually like it because it it's just confidence in himself and what he's doing. He knows who he is. He's He knows how good he is at what he does. He knows all of this stuff, and he just, he shows it. He acts like it. Shows on the tape, too. Yeah, it shows up on the tape. It, even though his teammates don't care for him, they'll still follow him. There is no question about his leadership. He's pulling together a UCLA offense of players that don't really care for him and constantly leading them, and they constantly follow. If he was really, really, if he was really a complete, trying to think of a word that's not jerkwad. <laughs> if he, if he was really such a jerkwad, I don't see them being following him that well. I think that they understand where it comes from. I think they're willing to deal with it because of that and because of what he's doing for the team. I don't want to interrupt you too much there, but when you say follow him, I would like to point out that I would argue that he's dragging them along because that UCL offense. I literally only probably see two future NFL players on there. That guard, Questenberry, and that tight end who doesn't treat me in uh, Wilson. But continue. Oh, I'm not meaning that the that they follow him and that they're good. Yeah, I know. They I'm still show up and they still give it their all every single play, even though his wide receivers can't catch. And oh. half of his offensive line can't block. <laughs> so when the Browns get the number one pick and Josh McDaniels is their new head coach, I'm kind of kidding there, but I actually think this is actually a really good matchup with an all-new front office because there's no way that that general manager can stick around. There is no way. No. Josh McDaniels, if he is the Browns head coach, and Josh Rosen would be a perfect fit. Do you use that next pick on a wide receiver or a weapon of some sort? Yes. I guess they got Gordon coming back. Yeah, Gordon's coming back too. I I always forget about that. Or you go defense because that defense still has some issues. But that is such a good way to start off the Browns. He, he's an easy sell to the to the fans. He, he's going to come in right away, and he's going to kind of wow some people because he's going to be the best quarterback they've had in a long time. And I don't know. I, I wanted to hit a little bit on that that arrogance thing just real quick. John Elway, one yes. of the most arrogant quarterbacks I've ever seen. My mom used to live in Denver. She worked at a pizza place that was right across from one of his car dealerships. She hated Elway. <laughs> she would always come up to me how's that john elroy, elroy doing because she always knew that irritated me to no end that she would say his name wrong but she said that he would walk in and pretty much every time he'd kind of like announce himself hey john elway's in the room and he'd walk up and just flash all of his money she said she just couldn't stand the guy and she <laughs> hated that she married into a bronco fan or a bronco family but now she cheers for him because, well, Elway, I guess he's still part of the organization, but he's not playing. So, I don't know. I, I guess 
sometimes that arrogance thing, I think, can get a little bit overblown for some people of, oh, you have to have this likable guy that every player really wants to be around. And uh, I mean, I've heard stories of Aaron Rodgers. that He's a jerk. Yes. Uh, so he's he's estranged, isn't he? From his family. Yeah. Yeah. His own family doesn't like him. Uh, I think his brother talked about it on the the Bachelorette or whatever show he was on. Or whatever. Carl, we know you DVR it. I know. I (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I had a classmate that was on that show. Oh, wow. Yeah. It it was kind of a little different. But classmate was me. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, I, I think that can sometimes be overblown. And I think it can actually be a an attribute for a quarterback to have, like you said, to have that confidence of, especially you're going to make a mistake during the game, but there's a lot of quarterbacks. We saw it with Simeon this year. He started out good, but once all of a sudden some things started falling apart, he just lost it. I I don't know if I've seen a quarterback lose it that bad, that, that quickly in a long time. So just to have that confidence of, Oh, I just threw that pick. Oh, well I'm good. I'll go out here and make the next play. And we saw it with Elway. He, he threw a ton of interceptions during his career. But when it mattered most, when you needed a guy to step up and and be the man because he thought he was the man, he was the, the comeback kid. <laughs> so I, I, that doesn't really bother me a whole lot if his teammates don't exactly like him. It bothers me a little bit when I hear things like coaches don't feel like he's coachable. Yeah. Th- those are the comments that, that get to me a little bit more, more than the arrogance side of things. Because you, you want a guy that's willing to at least listen to the coaches, that's willing to say, okay, I'm not perfect yet. I have these people here who are trying to help me to become perfect. Let me listen to them. Yep, absolutely. And that's definitely a concern with me. I want a quarterback who you do want them to be arrogant, but you also want them to be the type that when the going gets rough, they're not sitting there on the bench pouting, pointing at their teammates. You know, they need to be like, you know, I need to play better. I'm going to put this team on my back. And I haven't really seen anything to the contrary from Rosen. Granted, you know, he's not on the NFL stage yet, playing on the Pac-12 after dark. I do watch the tape, but some of those narratives, you know, we'll hear them more, especially when the the combine and everything's going there. One thing I wanted to touch on here, I have last words on this before we move on, because we're obviously getting a little bit long because, God damn it, that's what we always do. (laughs) Um, But a big issue with me with Rosen is that I really do worry about his pocket awareness and his ability to take pressure. Uh, It's something that Eric has discussed time and time again. I kind of threw him that softball earlier, and I thought he was going to swing for that one, but I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about it. Rosen's ability to throw under pressure. I mean, he looks like, I'm not going to call him Gabbert in that regard. You know, Gabbert was one of the worst ever in that regard. But when the pocket's clean and everything is going well, there's nobody who looks more like an NFL quarterback in this class than Rosen. But outside of structure, when things get sloppy, when there's guys at his face, when his tackles are falling down because they're God awful, Rosen kind of craps the bed. I mean, he just does not have that ability, at least what I've seen, Especially when, you know, he has to throw from an awkward platform or anything like that outside of the pocket. He just hasn't shown that ability. And I'm not sure. I mean, it's not that he's a bad athlete. He's not an exceptional athlete at the quarterback position. But it's just something that's really important to note. And I think that's it's more important than it's ever been in the NFL with the state of uh, offensive lines being so poor. I was going to talk on his ability under pressure earlier, but I got sidetracked talking about how great of a coach McDaniels would be for him because and another thing is McDaniels likes that arrogance McDaniels has that arrogance so that that's just a match made in heaven even more but yeah he is as I have down written down in my mo in my notes his mechanics when not under pressure is some of the best I've ever seen as soon as you put him in a little any any under any kind of pressure it just plummets and it's some of the worst He's not as I, I often throw this comparison of Blaine Gabbert with him when he's under pressure. 
he's not quite that bad. When Blaine, Blaine Gabbert got under pressure, he often would just collapse. Literally, he would just self-sack a lot of the time. What happens with Rosen is that he just loses all of his fundamentals. He switches it up. It's There's a mental switch there that just clicks off when pressure gets there. And that's something that you just can't have in the NFL with how prominent pass rushers are being, with how bad the offensive lines are getting. And another issue I've started to notice on him as well, and this is a big one too going into the NFL, is he can't sell play action. Hmm. I haven't seen him really successfully sell a play action. And when play actions are a pretty big part in the NFL and all offensive schemes, you want to see him be able to do that a little bit better. But on that note, though, is Trevor Simeon could not sell play actions whatsoever. And outside of that losing streak with him, he was one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL when executing a play out of play action. So it is possible to sit there and do well when you can't sell it. But I just that's those are the two things that are really missing for me for him to basically be that complete quarterback prospect. And he could be a little bit better athlete, a little better arm, stuff like that, that, you know, you could pick up those attributes in Madden in the Madden factory. But other than that, he's he's damn good. But those things definitely bother me. It's the stuff that there's a bunch of stuff that can get better. But these are two things that it's like he doesn't have. He doesn't have that ability to sell the play action. He doesn't have that ability to keep his mechanics and fundamentals sound when under pressure. Everything else he has can improve. But those are the two things that I just don't see him having. Yeah. Yeah. I see that same thing, especially when he's under pressure. He's definitely very inconsistent in those moments. I've seen him make make some great plays, but it's just not there consistently for sure. And I I also see, especially when pressure comes, he makes some very, very stupid decisions. Yes. He will throw into triple coverage and you're like, what were you seeing? And it just, he, he loses it completely. It's not just that he can't fit it in there. It's not that he's just inaccurate. It's that he loses his mind. Of, I just got to get rid of this football. And I, I know that there's a receiver that's supposed to be in this area. I'm just going to throw it there and see what happens. And so there, there's some of those throws that just really bother me a lot of, you just can't do that. You can't, <laughs> those turnovers, we're, we're seeing it right now with the Broncos. What is it? 15 turnovers in the last five games. It's bad. And, and that's the difference between some close games to some blowouts. And if your quarterback's going out there and throwing some really, really stupid interceptions, it just destroys any chance that you have of winning. So that's a big one for me that I just need to see him clean up a little bit more uh, of being able to to play those kind of clean games of make the smart decisions, know when to throw it away. There's, and this happens a lot in college. These guys just don't always know the time to throw it away. They, they want to play hero. They, they want to make that play. They do. They do. And it just, it just doesn't always happen, especially with Rosen where he doesn't have that strongest arm. There, there's some guys out there where they can get away with some things. Paxton Lynch, he's one of those guys. He can get away with some things because he has such a strong arm where it just zips in there so fast the defense can't react. But Rosen, he's just not that guy. He's got to have the pocket to, to go make a play. And when he can step into the throw, be clean, it's, it's amazing to watch him play. But, yeah, there, there's some definite, definite concerns for a guy that's supposed to maybe be the – the number one pick in the draft. Yep. There is no Andrew Luck this year, but that's okay because otherwise we wouldn't get that quarterback. And maybe if we do take a quarterback at the top, maybe we'll hit. You never know. This is the best pick we've had since Von Miller, probably this year, barring some miracle. And we'll have a chance. Did anybody have one last thing to say? Or are we ready to move on? 
There's one thing. One last thing. If I'm a scout and I go to UCLA, I want to talk to his receivers because I have this note on the bottom of my sheet that I wanted to talk about earlier. And it is some of the drops that he has dealt with look intentional. There have been a few drops where you see the receiver, the ball hits their hand and then they pull their arms away and the ball falls. I see that and I can't help but question, are they trying to set him up to fail because they don't like him? So if I'm a scout, I want to talk to those receivers and I want to get to the bottom of it. And I would pull all those plays, all those catches that look at those drops that look intentional, I'd make a clip out of them and I'd show them. It's like, is this intentional? Like, that's something that's that, that does bother me, like, even it, with his arrogance and stuff like that. If they are intentionally dropping them, then they should be dropped off the UCLA roster right now. And maybe UCLA is just not that good. Yeah, but I, I hear you. I hear you. All right, listeners. Well, unfortunately, because we are all the biggest windbags you will ever meet. I mean, I literally could talk forever and you got Carl on here and now, now Eric. I mean, geez, talk about word vomit. No, I'm just I'm just kidding. But because, <laughs> because we've gone so long, we're going to have to cut it down. We're only going to get to one more quarterback today. We wanted to get to NC State quarterback Ryan Finley. Uh, unfortunately, we're going to have to save that for another time because we are already at almost an hour. But Instead, we're going to talk about the six foot four, two hundred and ten pound transfer senior quarterback uh, transferred from the University of Tennessee to University of Memphis, Riley Ferguson. Now, Riley Ferguson is a North Carolina native, three star recruit, and uh, redshirted his 2013 season due to leg injury. Played at junior college after that, and then transferred to Memphis and has had a pretty solid season this year. He's a guy that's not really on the national radar as far as a upper echelon quarterback. I don't think he's an upper echelon quarterback, but I have heard that he might be a top five quarterback when it all comes down to it at the end. I do not think he has a senior bowl invite right now, but that information could come out later, or he could play well at the uh, some of the, one of the lesser uh, postseason bowls and get invited up. But fun player, um, has almost 3,000 yards on the season, over a 60% uh, component, wow, 60% completion percentage on the season, and on the season as well, 27 touchdowns to seven interceptions and just a, a fun quarterback. I know in the group chat earlier, Carl was hamming on him a little bit, talking him up. And I think it's probably just because Carl loves those sexy blue and black tiger stripes on the helmet. But, you know, we'll, we'll see what Carl has to say. What do you think about Ferguson, Carl? He He's a fun quarterback to watch. And when, when I was watching him, I just kept thinking, I hate doing these, these player comparisons already, but I just kept thinking Tony Romo because he just – he found ways to extend plays. He'd do this crazy spin move when a defender was coming at him and just spin out of the, the pocket and make a big throw on the run. I, I love when he throws on the run. He is highly accurate. He can rocket it in there. He has touch on some of those throws when he needs to. They, they love to, to move the pocket with him because they love to have him throwing on the run so much. And he just he is. He's a fun quarterback to watch. But he is also, we're talking about, Josh Rosen being one of the most mechanically sound quarterbacks we've seen maybe ever. Riley Ferguson is about the exact opposite of that. His footwork's a mess. His throwing motion looks more like a pitcher trying to wind up. He'll throw off his back foot sometimes. He'll, I don't know. He just does some crazy things. I've seen him do the, the, the Trevor Simeon pass across his body, clear to the other side. And, and it actually worked on the throw that I saw. The ball hung up there forever. I, I don't know how the defense didn't have like 11 players already over there to, to go make a play. But yeah, th- there's just some crazy things that he does that you're just like, what in the world? And, and he gets away with a lot of things. But he also has some throws that just wow you. Some back shoulder throws or ones to the, to the sideline of you got to throw it over the defender right into the receiver's hands. Some rockets for some deep slant patterns um, that just... Like I said, they just wow me. So this this is a guy that kind of interests me, but he's he's got a lot of work 
he's kind of packs and lists. I, I, I hate to do this because because he's a Memphis quarterback and they, they run two different systems. Understand just because he's from Memphis doesn't mean that they're doing the same things that, that they did when Paxton Lynch was there. But in the idea that they they were both very big projects coming in, that they were more athlete than they were quarterback at the time. Riley Ferguson kind of fits into that a little bit, but again, I like him. I think there's some, some things that uh, just fit really well. And yeah, Eric, you were talking earlier about with, with Josh Rosen, not being able to sell the screen pass. I was highly impressed with Riley Ferguson and his ability to, to they ran this play a lot where they would have the the quick pass out to to the wide receiver out in the the deep side of the field and because they would run that kind of play a lot where they'd actually do that quick pass over there teams would fall for this where he would do that and then all of a sudden the defenders would be up on him trying to get to him real quick and then he'd just dump it over the top to to the running back for a big play and I saw him do that three or four times in one game and they fell for it every single time and so yeah I think he does a great job of selling it and he just like I said, he just has some things that just make me want to watch more of him. He He's a project, though. And I don't know how much more the Broncos want to take on a project. I don't know how much they want to take on another Memphis quarterback. I kind of remember when uh, Houston, they had the chance to take Derek Carr in the second round. And I really do think a little bit of the the name, because David Carr was such a bust. How can you then go and bring in his brother to be their franchise quarterback? I think that scared them a little bit and they missed out on a really good opportunity there. So I don't know. I, I, Elway, he's one of those guys. He doesn't always really care too much about what other people think he's going to do what he wants to do anyway. So maybe if he likes this guy, cause again, he has that rocket arm. He's got the size that Elway likes in a quarterback and he just has some, some it factor about his game or he makes the throws when, when you absolutely need somebody to go make a play. He is the guy that just seems to show up in those moments. So lots to like, but there's lots to work on too. Yeah, that's that's very true. He is he actually does fit that Elway mold pretty well. A little bit on the lighter side. Elway likes him to be about that 220. But he's got the he's got the height. He's got the arm. I think he's got a little bit more of it between the ears than Paxton Lynch did, but not as much of the physical tools as Paxton Lynch. So he's kind of a smarter pack, less athletic, less stronger arm, not as strong of arm. Packs and Lynch. The comparisons that I've actually been given to me by scouts, I don't really see so much, but it's been a cross of Derek Carr and Philip Rivers. Huh. And when I watch him, I don't really see that. I see a little bit of that Tony Romo that Carl was talking about with his some of the stuff he does to avoid pressure and make a play. Uh, there is. A issue with his mechanics. Times his footwork can be really, really clean, and then at times it's just, oh my god, why? It it, it just drives me nuts. It, consistency. I, I when you watch or when you read my scouting reports, I talk about two things pretty consistently: consistency and discipline. He lacks the consistency I want to see. I like Ferguson a lot. I think he actually has a pretty high ceiling for the NFL level. I think he's a year, year and a half away. You want to get his throwing motion a little bit cleaned up, and I'm not sure you can. There's been so many quarterbacks who've come into the NFL with a weird throwing motion, and they spent hours and hours and hours trying to fix it, and they've never been able to. Some quarterbacks can get away with it. Philip Rivers, I think, still has that little issue with his throwing motion a little bit, but he's made a career of slinging the ball, and it hasn't really hindered him. I think with Philip Rivers, his is a little bit different because it's more of like a almost like a shot put, and so it's still a pretty quick motion. 
with Riley Ferguson, it's it's a big windup. What what I what I see is he has that huge windup and then shot puts it. And it, the bigger issue is with the windup than it is with the actual release. But that release is still a little wonky to me. Right, right, it, it is. But th- there was one throw where I could tell he was really trying to get a little bit of extra mustard on the football, and it really did look like a pitcher standing on the mound. And like foot came up pretty far off the ground, arm went way back, and it just kind of did that little quick weird hitch thing. And and I saw a defender get really close to jumping the route because he could tell exactly where it's going because the windup took that long. And I feel like in the NFL, if he does that, that's going to get picked off. It, yeah, it's sure. just that that hair second longer, that uh, just that little bit. If it's just a little bit shorter, if, I think he can clean it up just a little bit. I, I'm not saying go full on change. I remember with Tim Tebow every year. Oh man, my throwing motion. That's what I spent the entire off season doing, just working on that. And then it'd come back and it's the exact same thing as the year before. Yeah, you're right. They, they don't change as much as, as people want them to. They're not going to all of a sudden go from Tim Tebow to Josh Rosen. It just doesn't happen. And I actually talked to a guy about that. And what he had, what he had to say was actually really, really interesting. He said that one of the biggest issues with people with quarterbacks correcting their throwing motion is, is that they do. They correct their throwing motion. Not on the field, not during a game, not when they're facing pressure, not when they're under the pressure of the fans or the coaching staff or anything like that. But as soon as they're back in there, it's muscle memory and they flip back. And I thought that was actually a really interesting comment and to really think to really think about it is that actually could be exactly true. I don't know how many times when I was working that muscle memory would just kick in. I would sit there and I wouldn't be knowing what I was doing. I used to work in a kitchen and we provided food for a hot box. And once we got busy, I wasn't thinking about what I was doing. I was just doing it. Granted, there's a huge difference between being a cook in a kitchen to being an NFL quarterback, but it's still that same. It's, it's still that same concept of it's the flip switches and you just go back to what you're doing or what you were doing to what your muscle memory is. And that's why they're going back to it. And with Ferguson, you you were talking about that throw where it looked like a pitcher wind up. Was that against UCLA? Who it was because, against? Because there was a play against UCLA that looks that was almost exactly like that. He was on. He was running. It was a it wasn't a designed rollout. He came under pressure, and he so he rolls out right, and he pump fakes it, and the defender pulls up, and then he just does this pitcher wind up throw, and it was a perfect place ball and the receiver was able to take it and pick up like an extra 10 15 maybe 20 yards so it's you can get away with that stuff in college you can't in the nfl reaction time is quicker the game speed is quicker everything is quicker you can't get away with it and in this throw that i'm talking about he almost didn't because the safety over the top went and made a play on the ball he was about a second too early and the ball went right behind right behind us where his hands were and the receiver catches it one thing I will say, though, that I actually really, really like is Ferguson's vision. He doesn't really lock on so much. He keeps scanning. And very rarely do I see him make like a really, really, really bad read. Yeah, I was going to note on that as well. He looks like to be a guy that has good eye discipline, can manipulate his safety when asked to. I mean, people will think, you know, oh, he plays that super spread offense that Paxton Lynch played. No, pa- the head coach that Paxton Lynch had, Brian Fuentes, now is the head coach at Virginia Tech. They run a lot more pro-style concepts. It's not bubble screen after bubble screen after bubble screen with Ferguson. It's still a, a huge of part of their offense. Yeah, but I, I don't think it's as the same level as it, the Fuentes. It, no, it's, it's not just that. But they 
take those bubble screens and they expand on it. Yeah. They'll start doing the ones where the like we were talking about earlier, they'll fake to the right, throw it left. Or they'll fake to the right, he'll look left, the defense comes up, and then he has that guy squeezing out behind him, and he hits that guy. So it's not just pure bubble screens. It's They use it a lot, and they expand off of it, which you didn't see under with, see with Lynch. It was just basically exclusively bubble screens. Yep, agreed. And also we'd be remiss if we didn't mention uh, Riley Ferguson has a stud-wide receiver. This is a draft podcast after all. Did you guys really enjoy watching Anthony Miller when you were watching that Memphis tape? Because there are some guys who are very high on him. I think he's probably not going to be anything much beyond a slot receiver, but I mean, with how big 11 personnel is in the NFL these days and those guys who can win on the inside, I think Anthony Miller could be a starter in the NFL, at least get snaps that would qualify as a starter and be a very solid slot receiver, second or third round pick in this coming NFL draft class. I watched him make a one-handed catch on a not exactly accurate throw. It was pretty decently ahead of him, but he just reached out, extended completely out, grabbed it, no bobble or anything like that, and then just cut up field. Like he, like it was just nothing. And I had to rewind that play a couple of times just because, you know me, wide receiver play, that, that's that's my my favorite to watch. And, and to see a guy just kind of do that so nonchalantly, like, oh yeah, one-handed catch, no big deal. I can do that. <laughs> it, it just, it, it was pretty amazing. So yeah, he, he was a fun player to watch. And they just they have a fun offense. I, I'm I'm excited to watch more games of Riley Ferguson. This is one of those guys. A lot of the the video hasn't quite caught up with maybe the hype that's going to show up here in the next couple months. In regards with that receiver, with Anthony Miller, I can see him filling in. I don't think he's stuck in the slot. I think he can kind of have that Emmanuel Sanders kind of role. Not a comparison between the two receivers whatsoever. It's just that I think Miller can play that second boundary receiver wouldn't use like Sanders is or he can kick into the slot but I saw a guy a draft Nick on Twitter release their top five receivers Anthony Miller was number two with a top 10 grade uh, I was uh, uh, yeah. no no I was impressed not that impressed I was I was completely taken aback by this so I went back and as I always do, a lot of people don't know this about me with how, if you follow me on Twitter with how I am about prospects, but if I see somebody who disagrees with me or has a really different opinion from me, I will go back and I will watch. I will see if there is something I missed that makes that, that I can go and see, okay, that's how they got there. I saw this. I went back. I pulled up all the Memphis tape I could find. This was like a week and a half ago. I walked away and my opinion on Miller actually dropped. Beforehand, I thought he could crack the first round. Now I think he's a solid late second round receiver. Yeah. <laughs> it was just flabbergasted. And having him does help out Ferguson a lot. It, it, you always want that one receiver to really help the quarterback. And I think going back to Josh Rosen, I think that's one thing that makes Josh Rosen look even better is that he doesn't have those receivers. They're constantly dropping balls and he still shines week in, week out. He still shines. I don't have Rosen as my number one quarterback, but he shines. Yes. Ferguson, he has that receiver, but he can he can still have those jaw-dropping throws, those jaw-dropping plays, even when not targeting him. Ferguson is sitting right there in that 5 to 10 range, and I want to see more tape of him to really get there. But one thing is for sure, and I have no doubt about this, as soon as he gets drafted, one of the first things that he's going to be told is to hit the weight room. 
He is yeah. so skinny, and you can see it on tape. Yeah, he's a twig. He's got an arm, but he's a little bit of a twig, and especially with how skinny he is, that throwing motion, that cockeyed, really far far back. It's not the wind. I mean, it is the wind-up, but it's not. It's just he pulls it back so freaking far, and it takes so long to get from that wind-up to that release. It's it's really not a pretty thing. As soon as you put the tape on, you're like, ugh. I mean, he, he can get it there. He's got mustard. He's got some touch. The touch can be a little bit erratic. I think that has a lot to do with his footwork, which is definitely erratic as well. But overall, I think he's probably a day two quarterback, um, round three, kind of that Davis Webb type where he has that physical skill set that you like, but he's going to be a project in that regard two or three years. But he's definitely a guy that I think you know you could take for the Broncos. And if they bring in a free agent and Paxton Lynch, you know, he's that guy who two or three years down the road, I mean, this is, I'm not giving up on Swag Kelly. No, I'm just doing that for Eric. But yeah, I definitely think he's got a chance to be a starter in this league, but it's, it's definitely going to take a few years. So quick question, because I, I heard this rumor about Riley Ferguson, just kind of doing some research leading up to this podcast. I read something about him actually quitting football. Yep. After his time in Tennessee. And then all of a sudden decided, no, I want to play anyway, and went to junior college. How much does that bother you, or does it bother you at all to hear of a guy quitting football and then coming back? That's funny, because actually when we were waiting on you, I mentioned something about that to Nick. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) It, It doesn't bother me so much until I hear the reason why. The reason why is the key here. Why did he quit? It's like Joe Williams, the running back out of Utah last year, who did quit and came back. Why did you quit? If the reason is something that can be like really understood, okay, that's fine. If it's a reason like, oh, I just wasn't sure if I wanted to play anymore or I kind of lost my um, passion for the game, things like that. If it's where they say like they lost their passion for the game or they don't want to play anymore, then that is a serious concern because what's going to keep them passionate when they hit the NFL? Is it going to be that money? And if it is that money, that's even bigger concern. So until I find out why, I don't really want to come to conclusions about it, but that is definitely one thing that you have to ask. You have to figure out why. And there have been a lot of different rumors as to why. And one of them has been that Tennessee was entering another quarterback competition. The year previously, he was set to be named the starter when he got hurt. And he thought that he had, he has a little bit of arrogance to him. And he thought that that performance there should be mean that he's named starter. Then he was going to be the year before got hurt. So why not? But the coaches just weren't sure where he was from injury. And I think that actually played a part of it. But as I was saying is it's something that you got to come to get to the bottom to and actually find out. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I agree with that. It, it's red flags. Don't always mean that they're equal just because one player quit and another player quit doesn't mean that, that they're equal. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to hear what they have to say about some of that. Cause as we get closer to the draft, there's going to be a lot more nitpicking going on. There's going to be a lot more information come out of of these things because the questions are going to become a little bit more public. So he, he's definitely got to keep an eye on with that of what what is actually said of that. Yeah, I agree. It's one of those things where it's it needs to be asked in the interviews. And heck, if you know whoever's at the combine with me, that's a question that we should ask him at the combine. Hey, why did you quit football? I'm sure he'll really appreciate that one. <laughs> uh, but yeah, definitely, gone. yeah, God, just get, get him the hell out of here. Last year, I asked Solomon Thomas what his favorite uh, Jedi was because he's a big Star Wars guy. So, but yeah, it's a definitely Where did you a ask that too. Solomon Thomas. Solomon Thomas is a, he's huge, a big Star Wars fan. Oh my God, obsessed. He dressed up full outfit, full get up for like the last two ones and we went to the midnight premiere and just obsessed. Oh my God. Like he, that rises him up my board, even though that draft was last year. Number one prospect this year. It carries over. That's 
It went number one prospect until Star Wars movies stopped coming out. Yeah, never. Thanks to Disney. Remember Star Wars? No, I'm sorry. I've been watching South Park. Remember? Uh, yeah, exactly. Remember when the Broncos were good at football? Remember Peyton sorry. Manning? Remember John Elway? As we're talking about this, I have a lightsaber sitting right next to me, by the way. Oh, God. Everybody just turned off the podcast. They made it this far, so maybe they haven't. But <laughs> I own three lightsabers now. Thank you. Oh, my goodness. Well, I, I didn't need any more ammo on you, but you just keep giving it to me. <laughs> but anyways, I think that is going to wrap up the, uh, the first, this season's first episode of the Draft Podcast. Uh, we will get to Finley next week with probably another blue chip prospect. Not sure which one. Um, maybe we'll get you back on here. I don't know. You, you're pretty good. You're pretty good. I, I like you. You're, you can stick around. What they say about those Alaskans. Those no, guys can be positive contributing members of society. Y'all just not going to have me on the Baker May- Mayfield episode. You're just going to yeah, be that's, like, nope, nope, nope. It's literally going to be like me and the Chad Kelly ones last year where you're just yelling swag. Baker! <laughs> <laughs> All righty. Well, yep. Like I said, we're going to wrap it up here um, because we're starting to get a little bit slap happy and silly. Hopefully this will get out to you this weekend. If not, sometime next week. That's going to depend on when Chad gets it to you and when I get a chance to edit it as well. Broncos definitely looking like they could have a high pick, but we got some easy games coming up. It's going to be fun to see Lynch. Um, definitely made those last few games interesting, and we're just going to be starting to break down these prospects. And once once the college season ends, we'll start to bring it back to more of a, a Bronco fit perspective just because – you know, we'll have a better idea of where we need to go on the roster, where we're going to be picking, et cetera, et cetera. But we're just going to start breaking them down and give you what we see and where we think these guys should go. You can follow Carl on Twitter at Carl Dumbler MHH, at Eric Trickle, and follow myself at Nick Kendall MHH. Uh, let's find our Denver Bronco articles on Mile High Huddle and affiliate of scout.com and the CBS Sports Digital Network. Follow the Huddle Up podcast by subscribing to us on iTunes and for Android users, Stitcher. We also have audio up on YouTube. I appreciate you guys leaving comments on YouTube. I try to get back to you every chance I get. Um, there's been, last I saw, nobody going at each other in the comment section on YouTube this week. Maybe I mean, talking about the, draft. the YouTube comments then. Oh man, a couple weeks ago, they were, they were getting at each other. It was, it was time dope. to incite some fire. Troll. It's just fun to see chaos. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Again, please be sure to subscribe and rate us and reach out to us. We love talking with you. We're on Twitter, fairly often talking football. Probably when we shouldn't be on there as much as we are, but what can you do? Obsessed with that screen. What can you say? We're I'm a millennial. I, don't, I guess Eric is too. Carl, are you a millennial? Or are you too old? What, what's the cutoff? Um, I think if you're 30, you're too old. Oh man, yeah, I'm too old. I'm the old guy. <laughs> you, you can be yeah. an honorary. You're too old. You can be an honorary. <laughs> For Carl Dummler, Eric Trickle, I'm Nick Kendall, wrapping up the first episode of the. Huddle Up Draft Podcast. And if you guys have any clever ideas for the draft podcast, we did the Scout Side preview for the preview episodes. If you guys can think of anything clever, uh, let us know. I'm definitely interested what you guys can do. Maybe we'll send you a prize. I don't know. We'll get you in here for some takes. Something fun. Maybe I'll have a, a free follow. We'll have all, we can all gang up and troll on Eric. There you go. That's the best prize. That's anybody wants for Christmas, right? Um, we hope you enjoyed it. And we will see you again next week. Go Broncos. Mile High Huddle.